You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Stay tuned to hear a powerful word from Pastor James. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. today if you love the Lord say I can't hear you Lord you're worthy time. You deserve it. Come on. Father, today in this sanctuary, we stand united as one saying you deserve it. You deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You deserve the praise. For you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. Just like Gio, in this moment, we call forth your accountability upon your people. And Lord, we return with adoration and praise in this place. For Father, 2020 has been filled with shifts and turns and has come to us as a surprise. But Lord, we thank you that you're all-knowing. We thank you, Lord, that you're all-powerful. And because of that, we say you deserve it. We surrender our life to you in this moment. Lord, I pray right now in this place for the thing that you wanted to be done in heaven Let it be manifested on earth, Lord. Let this service not be the same that we can look back and say on August 30th that the first three quarters of 2020 has put me through hell. It has put me through turmoil. But I have stood the test of time. Because it's not about how we start, Lord. But it's about how we finish. And today, United as One, we are grateful that you're not just the Alpha, but you are just the Omega. That you're not just the beginning, but you are the end. So with a heart of gratitude and with a heart of praise and a heart of thanksgiving, we say hallelujah in this place. And we thank you, Lord, that your word will not return void. So allow it to minister to your people, those that are in the sanctuary, those that are online, those that will catch the replay. This is an on-time word for your people to be able to receive and believe and to go out better than it came. We declare your goodness. We declare your power. We declare that your people are righteous, not based on our own merits but we're progressing to live towards you. So we thank you right now for lives will be changed, touched, impact, and transformed for the better. And all that agree, say amen in this place. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you to everyone. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you could, go ahead and locate Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 12. Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 12. And we're going to read from the New Living Translation. If you could stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. If you're excited to be here, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, y'all looking good today. 
perfume. I don't know what it is. Y'all looking fresh. All right. Stand to your feet. Let's read this one verse of Scripture together while we're all standing. One, two, three. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Before you sit down, look to a neighbor. Don't touch them. Stay six feet away and say, it's my fault. Look to another labor and say, I did it. Hashtag my bad. You may be seated in this place. Amen, amen, amen. I'm so excited. We are in our spinoff of the Freedom Series. Welcome to it, uh, part two of a series entitled, It's My Fault. First, before we get started, just want to give a shout out to all of our first-time guests and visitors. Um, we're grateful that you have chosen Diverse City as a place to worship today. Um, I know I met a few of you. Yeah, let's give it up for them. Our custom here, every service, as soon as we finish, I'm outside in the back. We'd love to meet you, uh, introduce you, and hope that you've enjoyed this experience, not just the Word, but from the moment you entered the door, to feel God's presence, His love, and in a tangible way based on our people, our culture, and our mission. Amen. All right, so before we get started, it is your time to participate in free evangelism. Definitely those that are online, please make sure you like, please make sure you share, and if you're there, host a watch party. Help us to spread this world with positivity as we bring forth hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so here we go. Part two of It's My Fault. This is a quick three, maybe four-ish part series. And last week we talked about Jonah chapter one. And if I had to explain it with just one line, let me just give it to you. God said go, say go. Jonah said no, say no. And God said oh. Again, God said go. Jonah said no. And God said oh. Oh, so it's going to be like that. Oh, dot, dot, dot. Has anybody besides me, God has told you to do something. You said no, whether you said it or maybe your actions displayed it, and God hit you with the O. As we looked at chapter 1, there were three things that stood out to us. In Jonah chapter 1, we saw Jonah's resistance. When we say no to God or we become negligent on the things that he told us to do, it is us showing God's resistance. God gave Jonah a word. It was clear. It was very precise what to do, where to go, who to talk to. Jonah ran the other way. And the thing is, when God speaks to us, he gives us doors, and the enemy tries to counterfeit everything God does and gives us a different door. And then we have a decision to make. Do we go through God's door, or do we go through the enemy's door? Do we go through God's door of destiny, or do we take the enemy's door of destruction? God's door looks probably very simple, maybe could take a coat of paint, and the enemy's door may be dressed up with your favorite color. And then here's the thing that trips us up most of the time, is that normally when we see and we're called to go into destiny behind God's door, opposition is on the way. And we say, nah, that's not the right door. It must be this one. And God is saying, no, that you have to face, I don't want you to just get promoted. I want you to get stronger. I don't want you to just go to the other side, but you may have to go through a storm. Abraham, you're going to be a father of many nations. But before we go through the door, would you put your son on the altar? Your only son, your only begotten son, would you put him on the altar? Is my promise bigger than the problem that you have to deal with. What about Joseph? 
Man born with the coat of many colors, Gucci, Prada, whatever you like, all in many colors. It was expensive, it cost a lot of money, and he knew he would lead and reign and rule. But his door of opposition was the pit. He was going to be betrayed. And if God is going to take you, you have to be able to stay the course and hold on to the word. What about Moses? We've talked about him several times. The man with a stutter, couldn't talk, couldn't speak, wanted to go to the promised land. But before you get to the promised land, you got to go to the wilderness. These stories are not just to be there, just to be fables for us to enamor, but it is an example for us to be able to learn from because we, as we receive the word of God, we have to be able to hold on to it because sight will say to pull back, but faith says to move forward. Again, sight says to pull back. But faith says to move forward. So we see, again, Jonah's resistance. Go to Nineveh. Go to the crazy folks. The pagan capital. The ones that mutilated their enemies for entertainment. Go and talk to them. Yes, you are a prophet. Go and bring the gospel to them. And Jonah was like, no. Because I know what you're going to do. You're going to show grace and you're going to show mercy. And just like the praise and worship team, they don't deserve it. No, I'm not going. Matter of fact, I have family members that were impacted because of their nonsense. I ain't going. Which begs the question is, what is your Nineveh? What is the thing that God has told you to do? And you're like, nah, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm going to chill right here on the sideline. You're Nineveh. You know what you're called to. You know your purpose. You know your destiny. And God is saying, you got to go through Nineveh. Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus says to serve your enemies, it's tough. We're not, I mean, Christians, even bad people can serve their friends, but can you serve your enemies if the word of God has told you to do that? Number two, if you move on, we saw Jonah's ignorance. Because when you start to build up resistance, you can fall asleep in the middle of the storm. You can fall asleep in the middle of the chaos. And because we think through our credentials, we think through our ignorance that what we do will not impact others, your destiny is impacting Everyone around you. If you're a parent, it's going to affect your kid. Some of the things that you had to go through, it came because of your parents, because they ran from the storm. But I believe we have people in this place. In 2020, it's been tough. You took your licking, but you keep on ticking. But we are going to run towards God, not away from God. Amen. All right, I'll wake you up soon. So, We see the longer Jonah ran, the longer you avoid the mission, it got worse. It got worse and worse. I'm not sure. Don't judge me, English teachers, if that doesn't sound right. It just feels better. And then we see Jonah sleeping in the middle of the boat. We see Jonah has created the season, and now he's complaining about the weather. Again, you can't create a season and complain about the weather. Why is it raining? Why is it lightning? Have my actions, have my disobedience, have the things that God has told me to do cause me to be right here. So as we move on to chapter two, one of the things that really stood out to me when you look at all of chapter one, one of the key words when you read Jonah chapter one and you read Jonah chapter two, the thing that it continuously show is down. Down. Jonah, go up to Nineveh. Jonah went down to Tarshish. Jonah, we're chilling at the top deck. Jonah went to the bottom of the boat. Jonah, what happened? What should we do? And when we get to chapter number two, now Jonah is down in the bottom of the ocean. Down. 
One of my friends told me, I never heard this song, but Down, Down, Baby. Never mind. <laughs> You'll get it. All my saved folks, I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's okay. Anyway, running away from God will always cause you to go downhill. See, I put it like this. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you wanted to spend. Let me say that again for the people in the balcony. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to spend. But despite all of it, point number three, and we didn't have time to unpack this, we see Jonah's miracle. The Bible tells us in Jonah in in verse number 17 that Jonah got swallowed by a fish and he spent three days and three nights in the belly. When I look at this verse, the thing that stands out to me is that the Lord provided. Jonah didn't jump with expectation. Jonah jumped ready to give it in. Jonah jumped ready to die. But God, with his grace and his mercy, continues to pursue us. He continues to come after you. As long as there is life breathing on the inside of you, God wants you to come home, come to his team, join the squad. He is ready to put you in position. That word appointed, when you study it in the Hebrew, it means assigned. It means appointed. It means ordained. God knew you would jump. God knew you would run away because God will have the last word in your life. But I'm sure we have a few skeptics like me. When you read Jonah, you say, what's up with this fish thing, right? Is that even real? Has anybody ever read this passage and said, is this even possible? This is the most debated book of the Bible. Others will say, is this just a parable to give us an analogy of what's going on? But let's, let's, let's take a little bit of history. Let's go down the National Geographic to discuss the possibility. First, the biggest fish in the water is a shark, but it's called a whale shark. Look at the screen. 40 feet long. Bigger, just as big as a bus. They're still alive today. 40 feet long. Go to picture number two. Look at this mouth. Their mouth is five feet wide. Is it possible? Again, is it possible that God appointed, that God ordained a whale shark to be right there ready to get them up? What else about a whale shark? They swim with their mouth open. They rarely eat their prey. They're more like vegetarians. They open their mouth, and now if they allow things to come in, They allow the debris to come out. They use it as a place of filtration. One more thing. Look at this video. I found the video of a whale shark being captured. Look how big this is. Is it possible for you to fit inside of the fish? Look at the size of the people, and you're telling me, that a fish could not hold the people. Look how wide it is. Look how small the people are. Is it possible? Again, is it possible? Do you believe that this could actually happen? All right, you can cut it. Is it possible? It reminds me of a story of the evangelist and the atheist. 
Can I tell a good story real quick? It's only one minute. A college lady was ministering on the school campus. She was preaching the gospel. She was helping those that were lost to be able to find Christ. Then her professor came up, very educated, very smart, pristine individual, but he was an atheist. And he came up on her, go back, Aldine. He came up on her, back. He came up on her and he said, hey, I hear what you're saying, but do you believe every miracle in the Bible? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, well, what about Jonah and the well? I believe that it's true. I believe that it's possible. And I believe if God ordained the fish for me to go on inside, that it will happen. And he says, okay, well, what if Jonah is lying? What will you do? He said, well, when I go to heaven, I will ask him what actually happened. And he said, well, what if he's in hell? She said, I don't know, but you can ask him when you get there. Never mind. You'll catch that later. Just because if it's not possible doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus turning water into wine sounds a little egregious. A few of us have tried it before. Is it? Jesus took a chicken nugget Happy Meal from Chick-fil-A and fed 4,000. And then he, not only did he do it once, but he did it twice. Jesus raised people from the dead. What am I trying to say? If you don't believe it, doesn't mean it's not possible. But I believe today, as we get into my thesis, there are many people in here that are struggling. There are many people online that are hurting, and you're trying to figure out how do you live in the dark? I don't see any light. How am I going to get there? Because this message is not about Jonah. It's not, it's not about the fish. It's only three verses that talks about the fish. And because it's commercial and we can do great graphics, there's only three verses. This is not about Jonah being inside of the fish, but this is about what's on the inside of Jonah. And the question on the table, when you're in the dark, when you've ran from the word of the Lord, what's on the inside of you that makes you feel comfortable with going the wrong way? What makes it feel comfortable for being disobedient, allowing casualties, allowing friends, allowing chaos in your life? It's not about what got you, but what's on the inside of you. So as we move into Jonah chapter 2, Verse number one, the word of the Lord says, here we go. Then Jonah prayed. All of chapter one, no prayers. The prophet went through a whole season of his life. Jonah has prayed to the Lord God from inside of the fish. That's the whole thing. God never wanted Jonah in the water. God wanted Jonah on his knees. It took all of these trials and tests and issues and everything that's going on before he got on his knees. Does God have to take out your kneecaps? Does God have to cut off your Achilles? What does it take for you to repent? What does it take to get in alignment with God? Are you running so far that God has to knock out your hilt? To get you to slow down, I know it's tight, but it's right. What are you doing in the dark? Cut off some lights. Cut off these lights. What are you doing in the dark? That was not planned. Cut off the lights in the house. What are you doing in the dark? Nobody can see you right now. God can. What are you doing in the dark? Why three days? Because God will allow you to sit in the bottom of the fish until you figure out 
while you're there. I want you to sit in the bottom of the fish until you get the lesson so I can get you to the blessing. I want you to sit in the bottom of the fish so you won't get here again. I want you to sit in the bottom of the fish because you had to be there before you begin to pray. Until you, do you have to in this season after all you've been through hit rock bottom before you start talking to God? What will you do in the dark? I love the way David said it in Psalms chapter 119 and verse number 67. You can bring that on the screen. And I got it from two versions because it gives two different lenses. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Any of the ets, astrayed people in the house? But now I'm in the bottom of the fish. I will obey your word. Look what it says in the NLT. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow the word. So now what we see, 1130, we still good. For the next nine verses, when Jonah shows you, when Jonah showed me on Tuesday, what do you do when you're in the dark? Verse number two, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And guess what? He answered me. I called from the land of the dead and the Lord. You heard me. So what do we see here? We see Jonah finally shows emotion. Do you have emotion in your relationship with God? When you pray, are you praying passionately? Do you actually believe it? Or we're still chilling with loud, now I lay me down to sleep. We're still chilling with the Lord's prayer. But are you showing emotion? When is the last time you've actually cried out to God? You've cried out for your better half. You've cried out during this time. For your employer, you've cried out about your kids. And God is saying, bring that same passion and intensity and emotion to me. I'm the one that will stop your storm. I'm the one that will take you to the other side. But you're crying out for the wrong thing. Yesterday, we had an awesome time with our men and women, and we did a rib contest, and some of those ribs were so good and make you want to slap your mama. Matter of fact, shout out, my mama is here today. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I almost forgot. I'm tripping. Anyway, we had a good time on our 14-hour drive from Florida on Wednesday. But it was so good. Mm. Bucket number four, bucket number five of ribs. Hallelujah. There was emotion, there was intensity, there was pursuit. Give me one! <laughs> Even the vegans hooked it up a little bit. And I seen some emotion in the place. Then we did the draft, and there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of screaming. There was a line borderline cussing, but they knew the pastor was there. And they come to church, and we get like crickets. And we got to wait for Angie to pump us up. We got to wait for Angie to get us going. We got to wait for her. Come on, 60 seconds. Give God something as if he hasn't saved your life. Matter of fact, I need seven people in this place to give God some praise. Hallelujah. We cry out to you today. We lift you up today. Even in the bottom of my pit. You deserve it! Emotion. He wants it real. He wants it authentic. In two weeks, we start in football, and there's going to be a lot of emotion from our men. They're going to be wearing their paraphernalia. We're going to wear our jerseys. But what are you doing in the house of the Lord? And God has been trying to say to a few of you in the dark,
but what about me? But what about God? Yes, when we pray, we need a secret place. Yes, when we pray, it's good to have routines. It's good to have rhythm. But God, most of all, wants passion. He wants authenticity. And sometimes it's not until we get into the bottom of the fish when we pray prayers that are desperate. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Not the ones that know the most scripture, not the ones that serve in church, but those that are desperate, those that are hungry, those that cry out and want more of God. There's a whole book in the Bible we like to skip over it, Lamentations. When you study that in the Hebrew, it means to cry out. We see Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, for five chapters crying out, which also means he gave his complaint. God wants it all. One-third of Psalms is complaints. It's not worship. It's not praise. I can't stand these people. It's not fair. You should be treating me better. You should destroy my enemies. You should knock my, their teeth out. God, why are you doing this? And God is saying, give me some emotion. So if you're in the dark, in the middle of a fish, this is the place when God wants to renew your desire for him. Again, God wants to renew your desire for him the moment when you first gave your life to him. He wants you to renew your desire. 2020 has been tough. 2020 has been unplanned. 2020 has been unexpected. And God is saying, renew your desire for me. Moving along as we go into verse number three. And we're going to go from three to five real quick. It says, you threw me into the ocean's depth. Now we see Jonah still complaining. God didn't do any of it. He asked to be thrown, but that's what happens when you're in your feelings. But it's okay. Give your emotions to God. He'll purify. You threw me into the ocean. He didn't have nothing to do with that. And I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. God, do you not see what I'm going through? The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried Beneath your wild and stormy ways, verse number four, it says, Then I said, Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. He's in his feelings. Yet I will look up once more towards your holy temple. And then verse number five, it says, I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped inside around my head. Jonah's describing his situation, and if we took a time and put pen and you start journaling, you can describe all of the issues that are going on. Yes, it's a big fish, but it's uncomfortable. If you're claustrophobic, you're not going to like this. It's dark. There's churning all around him. There are little fish coming in, and they're going out. And he's probably fighting, trying to stay alive every time he gets a spot to sit down. More water comes in and knocks him off. He gets a spot again and knocks him off to the other way. Every time he tries to stand up, he keeps falling. Every time he sees a little bit of light, it gets dark again. And we see the laments. We see the cry but don't get caught up in the situation. This is what God wants to show you. God is not going to fix it. God wants to fix me. He wants to fix you. He wants to fix the church. He wants to fix the world. And if we keep complaining and focused on what's on the outside, God said, I want to fix what's on the inside. When you're in the dark, we got to fix. We got to take an indictment on our situation. He wants to fix what's on the inside. He'll take care of the outside, but God wants to fix what's on the inside. Y'all still with me? 
So in the dark, here's the hard part. In the dark, this is not popular grace preaching. God wants to break you. In the dark, God wants to break you. Oh, I'm reminded when I came to St. Louis, getting ready to go, telling everybody I'm coming up here to be the executive pastor. God has promoted me. I will leave sunny Florida. I will leave the beaches. I am going to St. Louis to respond and to do the work of the Lord. But if I can be honest and pause for the cause for the first four months, whoo, we were in the dark. Lord have mercy. December 25th, 2017, It is Christmas in Florida. It is 78 degrees. I am wearing my shorts. I am wearing my t-shirt. I am wearing my Jordan flip-flops. And I'm like, peace. I'm gone. And the first weekend we get here was the coldest day since we've been to St. Louis. It was negative two degrees. Lord, what are you doing? In the dark. My car gave out on me. I got a Honda. This ain't no Dodge. This ain't no Ford. Hondas make it through anything. Two weeks in, my car start tripping. It start coughing. It's like, it's too cold here, bro. You didn't give us enough time to prepare for this. Taking my car to Buddy. I'm like, Buddy, I don't know what's going on. It's been riding good. This is a Honda. It makes it through anything. It was like, (coughs) 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 I only want to leave the house. On Sundays and Wednesdays, because it's cold, I don't have the right jacket, I got on three layers, and I'm like, Lord, I think I miss the mark. And he said, I'm going to break you. (sighs) I was depressed. I had anxiety. Matter of fact, I took a trip to Florida in April because I thought it was never going to get hot. Listen, we did spring carnival in April. It was like 25 degrees, and I'm like, nah, bro, I'm done. Next week, we went to Florida. I was like, thank God. Woo! Woo! And I got back, and it it was over 50. I'm like, thank the Lord. And I wanted God to change the situation. And he said, nope, I want to break you. I don't want to be broken. I just wanted to serve my way up to the top. I don't want to be broken. I just wanted to say, thus saith the Lord, and it happened. And God is saying, before it happens in the people, it gots to happen in you. God changed my situation. So then it comes to a point where we all have to take a self-examination where we're in the dark to identify it, to call it out. Why am I feeling like this? You need to name it. You need to pray against it. And in the moment when you should be dead, when you're on the stage and you don't even deserve it, when you want to just complain and grumble and stay in your feelings, and God is saying, I've saved you. But in the dark, I got to break you. Again, Psalms 51. Look what David said about being broken. The sacrifices you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject the broken and repentant heart of God. God wants to break us in the dark. God wants to break us, but God specializes in the brokenness. God specializes in broken people. He said, I am the potter. You are the clay. I got to break you to reshape you. I got to break you to update a few things, change this, remove that, upgrade this, bring that back down. Because until you're broken, you can be like pastor and be full of yourself. I will pause for effect. 
God got to break you if you're full of yourself. If you're entitled, if you feel like everything you got, you deserve, you earn, he's going to send you into the darkness. But brokenness is not a season. It's a destination. It's not the book. It's just the chapter. Broken. When we surrender our life to God, broken, as Tasha Cobbs would say, gracefully broken. Because people can break you too. I'm not even going to bother that today. Verse number six. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. I see see depression. I see anxiety. I see hopelessness. But it says, but you, O Lord, snatch me from the jaws of death. So here it is. Some of us are in the dark and we're fully aware of it. And we're ready to get out or we're willing to stay in. And there are others that are in the dark and others have told you you're in the dark and you're still in denial. So if you're in the dark, over the last two or three months, these have been three predominant thoughts in your head. I'm overwhelmed. I'm powerless. I'm afraid. What are you saying? What is replaying in your head? Not the promises of God, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm powerless. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed. I was not prepared for this season. This exceeded my capabilities. This exceeded my finances. I am overwhelmed. I did not expect to homeschool my kids during this time. I'm powerless. I don't have control. I thought I had control, but I lost it. I feel rejected. Matter of fact, let's be real. I'm in the bottom of the fish. I am lonely. I feel more lonely. And God is saying, I'm not alone, but you're lonely. You're lonely. You're lonely. It keeps replaying. It's like an echo going on. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the dark. I need help. I'm afraid to face my future. And God is saying, you got to flip the script. When those thoughts come in, when those thoughts sit, when those thoughts try to trap you, I know you're still in the bed of the fish, but you can't say I'm overwhelmed. You got to say I'm an overcomer. You can't say I'm powerless. You got to say I'm powerful. You can't say I am afraid because I'm fearless. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn the slide. Put it up there. Say it with me. I'm an overcomer. I'm powerful. I'm a fearless. I, I hear too much bondage. Say it again. Say it again. No lead. Yeah. One more time. Keep saying it until you get it in your spirit. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care how you feel. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You can do more than a conqueror. You are powerful. Go back. And that's why the prophetic word, the year of focus, because we can continuously revert back to being afraid. We can continually go back to being overwhelmed. We can continuously go back to being powerless. And when we have focus, these three things are here to help and set the balance. See, when we heard year of focus, you know what it feels like? A year of reset. I didn't plan it like this. Reset. Reset. You've been doing it this way for a long time. God said reset. 
reset. That means we have to have hard conversations with ourselves to get accountability and assess our inventory and say, is this a need or is this a want? And it's hard when you've been a baller on the budget and God is saying, give up your wants if you want to survive in this season. Needs, let me just be clear, let me just give you four as a baseline, rent or mortgage, period. Number two, more than likely you need a phone. Not a $160 bill. Food and internet. Everything beyond that, if it's keeping you in the dark, it may be worth letting go. Every situation is different. Every group of people is different. But your mortgage, your dwelling, your shelter, your phone, your food, and your internet. And we have to understand just because you failed doesn't mean you're a failure. Just because you lost, God's saying that you're still a winner. Starting over, resetting is just a pivot. It's your chance to refocus. And that's what God is trying to do with Jonah. We see over a chapter and a half of God trying to change his perspective. In Jonah chapter 1, he's tripping. Now in Jonah chapter 2, we see a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And God is trying to shake out this double-minded man. As the scriptures say, you become unstable in all your ways in the dark. But God said, you're an overcomer, that you're powerful, and that you're fearless. Verse number seven. And he said, as my life was slipping away, I need people in here to remember the Lord. Sounds simple. Remember the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you. In your holy temple, there are people in here that feels like your prayers aren't working. And we see point number two, Jonah is not only praying with emotion, but Jonah is now praying out of devotion. There's a difference. See, if you read the whole chapter, we're able to see that Jonah begins to pray with precision. Guess what? In the entire chapter, 10 verses, eight times, he quotes from the book of Psalms. In the dark, it's not about what you see, what you heard, but in the dark, what is in your heart? Have you hidden his word in your heart that you might not sin against him? See, when you're in the dark, you can't use Google. In the guard, you can't wait till Sunday. In the dark, it's about what's in your heart. Let me step on some toes. How many scriptures have you put in your heart in 2020? See, what happens is that we worry with with precision, and then we pray pathetically, shallow. And God is saying you need shallow worry, and you need intense, and you need precision when it comes to your prayer. Yeah. So this is the year. It's not about, it's great to read your whole Bible, but how much is in here? You can read five chapters a day and get through the Bible in a whole year, and it probably only take you 30 minutes. But I would argue when you're in the dark, I would argue in the year of 2020, it's about getting that scripture in. It's about chewing on it like it was rib number five, <clears throat> rib number four, and get some vegan ribs, whatever. Chew on it, meditate it, that it's in you. Do you need wisdom? What does the scripture say? 
James chapter 1, verse 5, is it in your heart? If any man lack wisdom, you should ask of God who gives generously, finding no fault. Is it in your heart? Do you need wisdom? Get on that scripture. Bump your devotional plan. Get that scripture in your heart. Are you in the dark? Are you struggling with anxiety and depression? Get some scriptures on hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Get that in your heart. When you're in the dark, you got to pull. When you're in the dark, you got to draw from that bank. You got to draw from the things that you have been studying that not only when the Bible talks about in Habakkuk, where it talks about to write the vision and make it plain. When you study that scripture, it talks about to inscribe. It talks about to prescribe, to give it to others, and that you can describe because it's a devotion to you. And for those that need help, what does the Bible say? That God is a very present help in a time of trouble. When you're feeling alone, when you're feeling powerless, you got to go deeper. This is not about how much you know, but how much is in you. We got 120 days-ish left in the year. I think it's 122. How will you finish this year? And see, Jonah discovered, just like he wanted me to discover in you, is that quoting Scripture is not to remind God, but when we quote Scripture, it is to remind you. You need to be reminded of who you are. You need to be reminded of what you're capable of. God doesn't need to know it. I need to know it. God doesn't need to hear it. You need to hear it. What is in your heart? Devotion. Say devotion. Devotion. Praise team, you can come up real quick. In verse number 8. Y'all still with me? Can I have 10 minutes? Are y'all tired? Hope you're not scared of the dark. Verse number eight. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on God's mercy. Maybe you can't hear. Maybe you're stuck in the dark because of an idol. I got some neighbors where their lawn is their idol. David ran over there and they looked at me crazy. I'm like, oh, back up. Is it your lawn? Is it your car? Is it your degree? Is it your kids? God is saying, as you put those idols before me, you're pushing away his mercy and the grace. As we look at the Ten Commandments, the first one talks about for us to not put an idol before him. He is serious. I believe in order. There is a reason that that's number one. So when you have your idols, you're always going to run into challenges. I put it like this. When you look at others, you will be distressed. When you look within, you'll be depressed. But when you look up, you can find rest. I'll say it again. When you look to others, you'll be distressed. Look at me. When you look within, eventually, if not now, you'll get depressed. But when you look up, you can find rest. Raise your hand in this place if you need rest. God has come to give you rest. God has come to set you free. The Bible goes on and says, um, let me just say Psalms 27, verse 13. I don't believe it's in the notes, but let's hear Let me give you the word. It says, I remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. There's goodness coming. I don't care how much dark you have right now. If God can open the eyes to your future, better is available. Better is on the way. If not, I believe you would not be here. So this might be the toughest year of your life. And I'm challenging you today to step up your devotion. 
to pray with precision. We're here to help each other. We're here to do this together. And we have to commit to things that uplift our spirit if we're serious about getting out of the dark. The scripture goes on in verse number nine and says, but I have offered sacrifices to you with songs of praise. This is the season to get you a new playlist, permeate the atmosphere to have songs of praise. Spotify, YouTube, Pandora, whatever it takes. Yes, you can get positive affirmation, but get some songs of praise in the dark. Rest in peace, Chadwick Bozeman. But he said, the struggles along the way were, not, were meant to shape you for your purpose. The struggle that you're dealing with right now, Wakanda forever, were not sent to destroy you, but to shape you for your purpose. Stand to your feet. The Bible says in the last two verses, verse number 10, when you're in the dark, when you've shown your devotion, when you're praying with passion and precision and make a rededication to him, verse number 10 is on the way. Verse number 10 is on the way for diverse city. Verse number 10 is on the way for your house. Verse number 10 is on the way for your family. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Light is on the way. And as much as I love verse number 10, I'll teach you how to shout on verse number 3 because there are so many people that have given up hope that thanks it over. And the Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Any second chance, people in this place. Hallelujah! Matter of fact, I've had a third. I've had a fourth. We see Jonah's second chance. Biggie, giving one more chance for you. A second chance. The Bible is full of people with second chances. Starting with Adam and Eve. When God asked you, when God asked me the question, where are you? And he's saying, I'm in the dark. I'm stuck. I messed up. And God is saying, I'll give you a second chance. David, adultery, murder, and he got a second chance because he repented. He got a second chance regardless of his issues. Samson, he-man, with his she-weakness, and God gave him a second chance despite, for others, it would have been a fatal attraction what has God brought you from? What has God delivered you from? What is God ready to do in this last part, this second half of 2020? If you believe that, say hallelujah. And the scripture goes on and tell us in Matthew chapter 12, one more debunk from the fable, where Jesus is being questioned how... How will we know the resurrection? How will we know if you're real? And he said, just like Jonah, I'm going into the belly for three days. Everybody that saw me before thought I was died. I died. But in three days, I'm going down to get my freedom back, to get my power back. I'm going down to get the keys to the kingdom. And just like that, for the people that have a second chance, say, I'm back. I'm back. I didn't quit. I'm back. I didn't quit. God gave me another chance. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that we can proclaim in advance and say, I'm back. 
Because you cannot keep a godly man down. You cannot keep a godly woman down. You are back. You're coming back better. You're coming back stronger. You're coming back wiser. You may be down, but you're coming back. You may look out, but you're coming back. A good man falls down seven times, but guess what? He's back. Hallelujah. So, Father, in this moment, we surrender to you. God, you're going to bring light in this place. Cut on the lights. Oh, perfect timing. Hallelujah. We're flowing in the spirit today. There's light coming. Look around. Look around. Look into people's eyes. There's a testimony on the inside of them. We're looking at people. I'm looking at people all across this place that experience a season in the dark, that experience some time in the dark. And you've declared in this place that it's my fault. And when you say that it's my fault, guess what? You're coming back. God, we surrender to you in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed. Taking this moment of darkness with your eyes closed. I need people by a showing of hands and online that's ready to commit to God in darkness to raise a hand in this place. I need people to show their point of surrendering that are willing to be searched, that are willing to be exposed and say, God, I've, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that you can bring me back. You brought my neighbor back. You brought my parents back. I don't care what the diagnosis is. I've fallen but you lifted me. I've fallen and you've helped me up. And we speak life in this place. We speak hope in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you're restoring your people in a time like this. You're going to be spit out into your promise. You're going to be spit out into your future. And they're going to see you and say you look different. Something has changed. You have had a moment with God. I got my passion back. I got my zeal back. I got my power back. Because God has given you a second chance. And as we turn our hearts to him, as we remain grateful, as we remain faithful, God is going to bring you back. So as we move in next week, please don't miss it. It's important to come out of darkness, but we have to debunk how to live when you're in the light. So, Father, we ask for your forgiveness today. For those I'm asking in your own time, your own way to make a commitment today to repent for every sin, to repent for every iniquity, to repent for every transgression. And God is saying, my mercies and my grace are new every morning. That has nothing to do with the time, but it's in the moment when we start to look up. It's in the moment when we declare that it is our fault. So as one body of Christ as we cry out from the belly of diverse city, let's take about 60 seconds to just worship. Let's take about 60 seconds. Maybe you've been in the light, but there are people that are depending on your passion and your devotion to intercede on their behalf. At this time, we're going to have the praise team sing. Take advantage of this moment, and we'll close in official dismission. Thank you for your patience. Come on. The we worship you.